Show me your guinea pigs. I find your life fascinating. It's like enough already. <laughs> I need to cut. I'm like the bartender needs to cut me off. <laughs> To the Friday Night Movie Podcast, where you've got three siblings in three time zones. I took that from Lily's intro last week when she hosted. I like it. It's also because that's what our dad used to think the name of the podcast was for the first year that we did this. He's like, and, I love three siblings, three time zones. <laughs> like that's the longest name ever. It's a terrible name. And and he and he and he's so he's such a big fan, and he'd tell people that was the name of it. So then they'd go and look for it, and it would be very confusing. And so we're um, this is a show where we get together and recreate the feeling of being in our family. Usually on a Friday night <laughs> after we go to the movies, we talk about. We talk about a lot of things in our life through the movie and television watching experience. And today, we are once again inviting another awesome person into our family for the day. We've got a great guest. His name is Noah Austin. Noah, welcome. Hello. Great to be with you. I'll, I'll tell a little bit more about you in a moment. But before um, before I, 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 I further intro you, I always want to ask how my sisters doing are doing because they never ask me. Becky, how you doing? First, I heard that sigh. Okay, that was <laughs> cry about it, shy. Um, I'm I'm great. Yesterday we took um, my baby to the swimming pool. We took her to the you know to the neighborhood swimming pool, um, and slowly getting her more and more used to the water. I would say was a success. She clung so tight to my neck that she was like digging her tiny little fingers into the back. Did you have to go in the water? Oh, I had to go in the water. You And you could not pry her. Becky and I were talking about, like, how gross that water is. Oh, That's just, like, it's pee just, chlorinated water. It's, it's rec swim time. <laughs> so it's just all kids so under 10 just peeing in the pool. And you can just, you can feel it. Um, it's, like, slightly warm. Like, you expect the water to be cool, but it's, like, slightly warm from all the pee. Um, but my daughter you know, was fairly relaxed in the water this time. We're trying to get her used to swimming. So that was a success. I'm feeling pretty good about that. That's cool. Lil, Minus how are... scratch marks oh, okay. on my neck. Fair <laughs> Lil, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I have a cough. So it made me think, like, the um, I, I was watching Seth Meyers the other day, and he had a terrible cold. But he's a real person, so it's sort of like he's just talking, whatever he has a cold. But do you ever watch, like, a, a, a sitcom or something? And one of the characters is so clearly sick when they were <laughs> filming, but they don't write it into the episode. I, I don't know if that's happened to you. I'm sure you've seen episodes of TV shows the other day that I don't know what it was, but you know, there's the famous one on Friends where Phoebe. No, but that gets written into the show. Into the into the show, but I feel like there's so many times where I'm watching a show and the person, the character is just so clearly sick, and I'm like, you're that's so unrealistic. Somebody has to mention, dude, someone give you a call. Someone give you a call. Like somebody pass you a tissue. You're not. We're not buying that you're not sick right now. Um, So I'm. I'm just letting you all know. This isn't my normal horse, like (laughs) sex operator Joan Rivers trucker voice. I have a cold. Especially bad. Okay. So, um, how are you doing, Shy? How are you doing, Shy? I'm doing great. How are you doing? So I just have one really cool 
little thing to share from this week. So, well, like, especially this week, we have like the coolest. Like, first we went to <laughs> India, and we got to hear about that crazy hijinks um, last week. But I asked you how you're doing. Then this week, you have an even cooler thing than Shy going to India. I do. What? Yeah, I have, do. Shia, we really so, must have not spoken in the last week. I have we, no idea what we're referencing. Because you have no brain cells left because you had a baby. So that's that. So we all know that I am a huge fan of the TV show The Goldbergs, and I am mm. lucky enough to be a part of the Gold Nerds crew. And in fact, right before this, finished taping the podcast for this week with the Gold Nerds, um, with Ash and Lons. And Sana, who was on our, our show a while ago, the series freak from the Netherlands. Um, oh, yeah. Love so her. We, we just did so but one of the most amazing things happened which was that Adam F. Goldberg and the writers they like to do kind things to the fans because they appreciate them and this week in the Fiddler on the Roof episode when the high school pu- teacher puts up the cast list of who is going to be in Fiddler on the Roof they threw in a bunch of the fans names as if they were high school students in the show and I was cast as Muttle the Tailor in <laughs> Which Fiddler I can't, on the roof. I cannot fathom is like a coincidence. On, that's like an ongoing thing you know on the show. I don't know if you know Fiddler well. I didn't realize that like other people don't know Fiddler on the Roof, oh, by the I way. I just went through like, this. No one I was talking to. No knows. one knows it. I guess you have to be Jewish or like 80. I don't know. <laughs> Either one. Know. Either one. Both, but one or the other. <laughs> and, and for a long time, for years... We we have joked that like I married a Spaniard and moved to Spain, and Becky is like with a, a friggin' like Pixar guy and moved to California and is following well, the dream of Hollywood. Ru- and, and he's Russian, like he's the Russian, Russian that Hava marries. Right, and Becky's like in Hollywood and makes amazing movies and has worked with famous people. Blah blah blah. Uh, not, yeah, not hundred percent true. It's similar. And so and so and like Shy has like you know a house. With a fence. The white picket like, fence. White picket fence. Like three hours from our lit, parents. Lit. Not taking big risks. <laughs> Not taking big risks. He likes to watch the game <laughs> on a Sunday. A, um, a big deal for Shy is like if he stays out past ten or goes to India. That Shy, I don't. We want. I want to meet that Shy one day, but that's not the Shy that we're talking about. The one that went to India. And so, like, Shai is is this running bit in our family? Shy started. He's like, oh my god, I'm Muttle the tailor, the like boring one on the roof that stays home and is like a tailor. And they cast Shy as Muttle. I can't believe. I mean. That that's- I'm starting to believe Adam listens to our podcast, or or that mom or mom just has done her own mothering and smothering and has called him up and say, "I want you to play Muttle." Well, okay. Well, enough of my uh, enough of my brief um, uh, moment humiliation. Uh, We have (laughs) we have an an awesome guest. So I'll I'll give a little bit of an intro to how I met Noah. Noah and I um, I, earlier this year I was in Jerusalem for this amazing program with the Schusterman Foundation and one of the options that I I got to sign up for was a a stop motion animation uh, like a couple hours workshop and while we were working on a project, I struck up this conversation with this super nice guy who it turned out we had a lot in common, not just in terms of love of music and our desire to create an animated gas dragon. This was our big our big thing that we tried to create together for this stop motion animation thing. It was going to be epic. It was going to be epic. We needed like a few more hours, but it was going to be epic. Yeah. Um, and then... 
And then aside from being this wonderful, kind, like, nice person that it was fun chatting with, he also happened to slip into conversation that he worked in special effects on some on some fairly not just big movies, but movies that are extraordinarily important to us, namely Beetlejuice. Um, so we were so lucky to have him on uh, the episode today because we're going to ask him a little bit about some movie history. And then we're also going to just talk about creatures and special effects and, and things like that, which we don't really we haven't geeked out on that much on this show yet. But I know we all have strong opinions. Um, but uh, I'll just start off by welcoming Noah again. Noah, thanks for, for making time. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to. Um, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to mention that, that you didn't ask how I was, but I wasn't going to make you feel guilty <laughs> about that. Um, Becky and I only cool. care about how each other are doing. So that's yeah, not personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you? No, doing? I, was, I wasn't I was coming down on you all. I was just yeah. pointing it out to Sean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's guilty. Guilty as charged. How, how are you doing, sir? Oh, well, now that you ask, um, <laughs> very well. Uh, no, I'm, I'm having a good time. I'm going to be traveling to Atlanta next week um, to meet with more of the Schusterman folks uh, in Atlanta, um, but have had uh, had fun. I'm kind of on my own this weekend. All the kids, one kid's away at camp, other kid's away at, uh, at the beach with a friend, and so my wife is with them, so I am here alone. Free to podcast. Just me and it. Free to podcast and take care of the multitude of animals that we have running around here. What do you have? What do you have? We have three dogs and we have five (gasps) guinea pigs uh, right now. And um, various other animals come in and out of our our household. My wife works for a a, uh, wild care, which is a wildlife rehabilitation hospital in Marin. And uh, so we we have uh, various and sundry animals and... um, Whereas most people would like to not have raccoons, my wife loves having raccoons. Um, but I have Well, so no, they're not really all that aggressive. It's just it's. I have a an ongoing battle with one of them. Of I put garbage in the garbage can, and he comes and takes it out of the garbage can <laughs> at night. And so we have an ongoing little battle. And I devised a mechanism last night that I think I won this this round at least. <laughs> so. He is free to roam your home. Well, it's not a pet raccoon. That one is just the raccoons that live on the property, but oh, there's okay. no attempt to get rid of them right now. No, we only the only uh, animal that we're rehabilitating is a little tiny guinea pig that I have to feed with a syringe um, Aww, three times a day while they're so gone. Cute. They're really cute. They're really cute. And and tying that into movies, they they are very much like the the trebles in Star Trek. Um, ah. <laughs> That's Wait, a great character. Yeah, start, my sisters are this is a little know. generation gap thing. I'm with you, Noah. That, I know the Tribbles actually. well. They're these little fuzzy I, yeah. things from an episode of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah let's bring the, the Troubles forward. It, into actually, it. Lily and Becky, it is Mom's favorite episode of Star Trek. No, I know what so they are. In case you are curious know. why I am the favorite, because I remember things like oh, no. this. <laughs> okay, all right. That's I a lost different that curiosity a episode, but I'm happy. I'm right. happy to discuss all the ways in which you are Wait, our mother. Just to, just to just to confirm you're the favorite, um, I was talking to dad, the, like my dad's visiting uh, right now, and I was talking to him the other day, and he was like, mom is just so, he was just like talking, he was like, mom is the best, you know, mom, I just love mom so much, like I miss her because they're not together right now, she's at home and he's here, I just really love her, and I was like, yeah, and she gave you three amazing kids, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, two. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Oh my God. I'm like, is that obviously Shy's one of them, but who's the other one? Like, yeah, at least a lot open. 
was like, we all know Shy's one of those too. And he's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. He's like, let's change the subject. <laughs> all right, Noah, we, we've held ourselves back, but we really want to hear all about the, yes. you've had many different careers, but you did spend time uh, as a special effects guy and you worked on Beetlejuice. Lily, would you like to, to A, tee up some questions about Beetlejuice, but also give Noah a sense of what this movie means to us? I, I don't know if I could put it into words. I can't remember even when I saw it for the first time. So it's not like I, I remember when I saw it. Probably, Shy, you were watching it, and that's what, how I saw most of the things as a kid that Shy was watching, and I was just lumped into that activity um, with, with Becky, I'm sure. But that movie should have terrified me, and it like should have scared the shit out of me. And really, it didn't. Maybe only, like, one or two scenes. But I was afraid of never-ending story. So, like, this, by all intents and purposes, should have gave me, given me nightmares. But there's such a beautiful humor and a sweetness throughout the movie that it just comes through and just makes it so joyful as much as it is also sad and... Um, and hilarious and it has just like Keaton I don't know if that's what no it also has incredible watchability it is the type of movie you can watch over and over again and there's always something funny or weird or strange that you're enjoying about it and and I feel like when I think about the movies we watched on repeat in our childhood I mean this is at the top of the list like so much so that in preparation for this episode I was like oh I know that movie off by heart right so I was like you know you guys can watch it I you know I have it you guys watch it I was like I can recite it for you it doesn't matter I don't need to um so and yeah I just yeah just so so hearing that Noah just as a starting point how, how does it feel to be have been involved in something that people have that type of relationship with did you know at the time this was going to be something special absolutely not i mean i it's sort of do you if, if you see the trailer for a movie that's you know coming you know christmas 2021 that was sort of what beetlejuice was it was this weird named movie i had no idea what it was going to be about and for me at the time it was really much more practical than than anything else i was more excited to get a paycheck than to work on a movie at the moment um, Which and so, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, I mean, it is a job; like people do it for a living. So, yeah, and it was only it was sort of when uh, I told people that, oh, you know, next week I'm going to start this this job. I got a job as a production assistant on on in the visual effects shop, and it was other people's reaction that sort of teed up my own of, wow, maybe this is actually way cooler than I think it is. Um, <laughs> And so by the time I got into the shop, it was uh, it was in Marina del Rey, California. So it was a community right by the beach. And it was at a little company called Bob Short Productions that was doing all the miniature visual effects for them. And so I walked into this this shop and it was just going to be awesome. I had stars in my eyes. I was I was going to be like working on a big movie. I walk up to uh, they say, you, should, you know, go go talk to to Pete over there. Pete was kind of an old like stereotypical gruff engineer with the beard and the glasses and he would kind of look at you <laughs> down your glasses and um i walk up and and introduce myself and i'm here to to work with and he kind of gives me the once over and he hands me i didn't even know they made coffee cans this big but it was a coffee can filled with miscellaneous nuts and bolts and he just plops it down in front of me and he says sort these and it was sort of like <laughs> uh, the glamorous life of special not very glamorous. Yeah. it's just you could if you i just i de- deflated in the moment and it was just wait this is what it's gonna be like and so i took my can and i realized 
I have no idea what any of these are. <laughs> and so I went back to him and I said, uh, how do you want me to sort this? And so he gave me this, he made a little template, which obviously he had made before. And I only put it together that he had queued this up before I got there. Um, he made a little aluminum plate that had all the different threads. Um, and then he had written, um, etched in the, the shapes of all the different heads and the screw types and all of that. And he said, hands me this plate. He's like, I have to screw every single one in? He's like, yep. <sighs> Go back day after day. And it was probably two weeks of doing that. And I, wow. I, every day he would have another coffee can. I had no idea where he got these things. <laughs> it felt like he was just taking everything I sorted the day before and <laughs> back can for me. Like hazing and, you? Yeah, and it was, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was just getting hazed. And then one day I walked in to go, and I, it was sort of like the, the soup Nazi in, in uh, Seinfeld. It was like, I'm going to step up, get my coffee can, step to the side. I'm going to go and go sort my bolts and then come back for my next one. And he looks at me and he says, get me four 1024 truss head Allens. I was like, okay. I walk over and I was like, <gasps> I know what that is. <laughs> oh my God, he Miyagi you. He totally Miyagi me. He completely wax on. I mean, it was just, wow. yeah, completely. And after that, it was, I got to get the bolts and then I got to sort of make things and put things together. And so that was sort of how it started. So it went from this sort of, wow, fun to work on a movie to the complete deflated to now oh, I know how to do something. And it was really fun. That's wild. That is so cool. That's such a great story. Um, all right. In in Beetlejuice, um, what were what, so you, you walked into the room with like the miniatures? Was this the place where they were actually creating like the tiny town and the figures yes. that you would see in the claymation? Yeah, and I mean, this is what I missed out of because I I watched the the trend. Beetlejuice was a fully practical film. And I just watched the transition from that into the completely digital. And walking onto the end of the shop of Beetlejuice, you had the beautiful cityscape. You had the map painters. It was the most talented oh group of artists I've ever had the opportunity to work with. Painters, sculptors, mechanical engineers. I mean, they, and they're all working together to create what hasn't been created before and do it so that it's beautiful. Um, and so it was unbelievable to walk in and see all of that. And you had everybody, the personalities, you had um, uh, Rob Thorpe, who was playing, he would spray um, flammable lacquer with a cigarette hanging out of his um, mouth. Um, and there's just this fog of flammable lacquer and it's sort of like, okay, you know, you go and spray. Um, and so it was a really interesting group of essentially overgrown um, little kids, um, men and women that just never really wanted to grow up and wanted to play around with big toys. And that's what we did. Um, so that was that was the environment. And it was a really fun experimental environment like that. And so what were some of the I, I know because we've talked about this, but what are some of the scenes that you got to work on in a hands on way? So it ended up after I was done sorting bolts and nuts and all of that. I actually got to work on way more than I ever realized at the time. And because a lot of the effects were like the flat man, the sure. guy that, that goes yeah. in the slot. Oh, the, one of my favorites. The, the eyes, the football players, the half woman oh couch. Um, the banister that turns into a snake, which is actually one of my favorites because that was so simple 
and yet it ended up looking great in the in the film and it was a combination of a static banister that i just sat and glued a bunch of little latex snake scales on and then painted it to sort of blend with the snake to the big mechanical end of the snake where we had three sets of two levers and i got i operated one so you could um have this big snake on cables go and, and open its mouth and turn from side to side and we all had to sort of work together on these giant aluminum like levers that we had built um so that was one of the really fun ones um but it was also just like charman and um head shrunken dude um yeah it's really fun and so it's, you, you take latex and paper towels you can do wonders with latex and paper towels you know and you, <laughs> you can make charman you can make um head shrunken dudes you can make all sorts so, of fun things. so is charman the guy who's smoking the cigarette that says something like these things will kill you yeah, yeah. so you, yeah. could you, could you yes. give us a little bit of that movie magic like you said paper towels and latex like how, how does that charm him become charming <laughs> So Charman becomes Charman because latex and paper towels with gray and black paint um, look like you've just come out of a fire. And so when you kind of layer it onto a mask that can be put on, and Charman had eyes, um, but the uh, it's really just a mask made out of latex and paper towels. And once you let the latex set, it becomes a rubber mask that looks like a char. Yeah, it looks burned. That's, That's wild. Have you have you, any of these skills that you learned while working in the shop and and on the film? Have you applied them to later in your life when you moved, you know, past this? past working in production what are your kids halloween costumes yeah that's basically what i'm getting (laughs) we're getting so so there's i'll get to that in a minute because it's it's, i think mildly disappointing mike i've tried to get my kids (laughs) way more into it than they kind of are um and so it's it's i as much as i can push it as a dad you know as parents you know like you have limited authority there um but the the lessons there were a lot of skills for sure in terms of basic shop skills. I learned how to machine metal. I learned how to weld. I learned how to paint. I learned how to build things. And, and But back then, it was truly mechanical, which was nice. There was no computer to kind of make up the difference for you. So everything had to be thought of. Everything had to be done um, manually. And so that, that to me, created... Uh, a sense of problem solving or ability to solve problems in it. I firmly believe there is not a single problem in the world that cannot be solved. And I think that we're going to laugh someday. Don't know when we're going to laugh someday when they say, what do you mean you can't divide by zero? Of course you can. Um, and, you know, we always forget that the world was flat at one point. And so what it and instilled kind of in me. still is depending like who you are. Oh, that's, a, that's a real deep rabbit hole. Yes. We, we, uh, we. Um, but it just, it gave me a sense of possibility and that anything is possible. Um, and so that I think was one of the best things that I learned out of it. And now that we live in a world where so the digital and the physical can come together, it just opens up worlds of new possibilities for that. Well, okay. So, um, there's just so many, there's so many questions, but that leads me to ask with Tim Burton, Tim Burton specifically, but then you like extrapolating on other types of films, you know, then obviously later in his films, he used digital special effects clearly. And then today there is, you know, you Avengers. I'm not sure what is real in one of those movies. Like it's all special effects. And then sometimes they hire the actors to appear. Um, do you, having seen it up close and personal, how, like how do you feel about 
Is it just never going to be as good? Or there's some stuff that you see today and you're like, wow, that that is so much better than what we could have done. Well, you know, better in some ways and not in others. And so Mm -hmm. from a kind of artisan's standpoint, there's a there's a disappointment. There's a there's a sense of loss and that I know I worked with these sculptors, these painters, these people that were just unbelievable artists. Now, is somebody who designs that in a computer an equivalent level of artist? Yeah, they're just using a different tool. I happen mm-hmm. to not love that tool as much as the physical um, because there are things, you know, it'll take care of gravity for you. It'll take care of all of these physics for you. Then that was a big deal of trying to compensate for all of those kinds of things, especially in miniature. You know, to make a miniature car crash like a big car is hard. Oh, that scene is so good. <laughs> but, to, but to do it with uh, a computer, you can tell it, okay, the car weighs, you know, 2,612 pounds and it's going to hit an immobile object and it will calculate all the physics for That's you. That's awesome. Um, and so that in and of itself is really cool. But I think that what Tim Burton did, he had such a great whimsical sense of um, of imagery. And I think that did carry over into the digital versions of his work as well. And so that's right. I think, and that's really what drove Beetlejuice to to where where it is in, in our, our history. Do you have uh, do you have a fa- we talked about the snake? Do you have a favorite? creature or character from Beetlejuice that you worked on, or maybe one that you didn't work on, but one that just captures your imagination to this day? So the one that I think that I I always go back to, and it was one of the lesser known um, creatures in Beetlejuice, um, was the fly, the mechanical fly. Um, Because that was the Mm -hmm. thing that was, when when, um, when Pete asked me to go get him the bolts, that was the thing he I went and got the bolts for was Whoa. to start to build the little mechanical fly, oh. and so it was it was the first thing that I really got. Oh, we're we're gonna build a little tiny robot, and you know oh. for me as a 15 year old kid it was just boing you know eyes open we're gonna build robots this is awesome this is what I wanted to do, um, and so it was uh, that one sticks with me. That's that's really cool. Okay, so. Speaking of favorite creatures and characters, um, Halloween just happened. We're talking Beetlejuice. Every once in a while, we'll delve into top lists of of things we've talked about our favorite movies from different eras in the past. I mean, because literally, I could do Beetlejuice for several hours. So, like, <laughs> I'm pained right now that we're moving on. Well, that's well okay. we're gonna thread in. We're gonna thread in some Beetlejuice. We're gonna keep talking. We're gonna about thread it. in. We're gonna thread in more of Noah's stories as like everything goes on. I feel like does this happen to you all the time that people just like? Does your wife just want to talk Beetlejuice with you? Is that she, weird? She, she does not. Um, it's uh, um, this is the first time I've talked like... about it this much in a long time. It's really fun. Okay. At least yes. it's refreshing. Uh, yes. So okay, so we we we're we're gonna talk about now our our top list of movie creatures and any any movie was game. Um, any movie was game for this, uh, and uh, but it had to be a practical effect. It had to. It couldn't be a, a recent digital. It couldn't be a recent digital character. Sorry, Rocket Raccoon. You're awesome, but you're not. He's you're, a great example. He, he's a good of, example. Or, or he's Gollum. He's a good example. Great examples, yeah. but but they're not going to be the ones that we talk about now. Right. And so let's kind of do a round and do like the first five from, from everybody, starting with Becky. Okay, I didn't put mine in any particular order, but I can tell you – well, the first two are definitely in okay. 
in order, which is whatever five five from your list. So so the so in the in the movie where the wild things are because they they made a movie. Spike Jones made a movie. I don't know ten years ago. When was it? All the wild things creatures. Those were all practical. They're actually like wearing the suits with the giant heads, and I I don't remember, but it's something crazy. Like the heads were so heavy and these suits were so big they can only wear them for like eight minutes at a time or ten minutes at a time to to take breaks in between and they're so beautiful so that for sure um morla from never-ending story she's the turtle that he goes to see i think that's just one of those like beautiful i still to this day i'm so i so want to know if she was actually large scale i'm assuming she wasn't because in my mind they needed was like they needed stories. to like so wait, let's ask let's let's ask her let's ask an expert uh, yes. i mean she, you didn't work on never ending story but... or she I, I did not work on a never-ending story, um, but one of the things I did learn is that it is extremely difficult to tell when done right what's big and what's small um, and exactly yes and that that's part of the the art in in the practical effects is getting a little boat to bob in in the water so it doesn't look like a cork um, you know, and getting the um, so like making it look heavy enough. So the yeah, exactly. Okay. So the fact that you can't tell um, means that it was really done well. Okay. She's um, incredible. Um, then I would say Gizmo as a childhood affection for oh, Gizmo. Oh, that's Gizmo. Always wanted to just cuddle. Like him. He did say her list was going to beat ours. Yeah, uh, Audrey too, because Audrey too. Oh, too, you really are. Becky wants. Becky, wants I'm like, Becky, Becky needs to go back to not preparing for the shows because <laughs> normally she doesn't and has no good answers, and now she's <laughs> cool does. And um, and shy as much as you are. No, wait, you. No, sorry. He does like Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth is a masterpiece. The terrifying eyeball man from Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, the pale man. The pale man or whatever. I can't believe I didn't put – I'm not going to like retroactively fix my list, but I didn't put any Guillermo del Toro, which I should be punished for. But I would would go with the fawn. Um, mm. over the the pale man, but either way, no, I think just the pale because that's I don't. I mean, these are things that oh god, it's so scary. That, I that, can't even watch. Yeah, but, and, and what's interesting there is that he clearly could have used digital effects if he wanted to, but, but chose he, like, the practical. practical all right, it's and, terrifying. All right. all right, Noah, how about some of yours? So you know, in looking at this question, it was kind of funny because the I look back and Beetlejuice is definitely my favorite creatures of all time, and it was because I was most most attached to them. I just loved the whimsy. I loved the problems that we had to figure out in there. And but what happened after that is sort of I learned how the sausage was made. And I was going to say that ruined <laughs> exactly. So, exactly, and so looking at a lot of the films. I got much more attached to the craft than the creatures um, and the story and the portrayal. And so that's why I said Yoda has been a mentor in many ways, because Yoda was like he was wise. I I wanted to be I wanted to sit down and talk with Yoda. I want to have a relationship with Yoda. And he's a little puppet. And, you know, but he's so fantastic in that um, um, I what he did in the movies, but also just how he moved, how he was portrayed, like all of the effects in, 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 uh, regarding Yoda were something that I loved. But then in looking back at the effects that I really admire, um, there, they, a lot of them are the effects that you don't see in the films. And so something as simple as like day for night. And I worked at a company called rhythm and Hughes for a while. 
and this was digital and it was compositing, but it was taking, it wasn't paintings, it was taking images of sunsets, images of things, images of real stuff, and then mashing them all together. And to me, that was one of the, the most amazing um, kinds of effects of being able to take the practical effects, put them into a scene, light them, put shadows, all of that stuff, so that you really couldn't tell what was, what was practical, what was digital, and what was real or not. And we used to sit in the dailies every day, and one of the games we would play is to try to pick out the effects. And a lot of times we couldn't even find them um, because they were so well integrated in. You know, it wasn't the obvious creature. It was, um, no, this was filmed at 10 in the morning, and I, I put the sky ah. in there, and it's all nighttime cool. now. And That's really cool. Okay, cool. All right, Lily, who are some of yours? Um, my, my number one is Mini Beetlejuice Head. That is my number one for all time. When he tra- yes. trades the number yeah. and the like, um, tribal guy gives him. Uh, he 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 trades the number. He's like, you know, because he one is the closest. He's like the next number, and the tribal guy puts the <laughs> magic dust on his head and shrinks his head. And I just I like I can't. That. That has always been your favorite. Yeah, I la- like I can't you. deal with that scene. It's like my favorite thing ever. Um, and um, any to me, any hands down creature from the labyrinth, not one is better than the other. Every single one gets me. I find them all amazing. Like Becky, you had written a few and shared. You wrote a few, but to me, it's like just every single part of that movie including David Bowie as a practical special effects creature <laughs> um, those are serious pants that he's wearing like I don't know what's in his pants as special effects but like it's, they're very tight in that movie um, but yeah like that movie blew me away as a kid still blows me away um, and do you guys remember Flight of the Navigator? yeah that like worm creature? No. Uh, Flight of the Navigator was part of that ET era of like children or or creatures no. being kidnapped uh-huh. and it somehow being like warm like a family movie about kidnapping. Do you remember that what I'm talking about? Warm fuzzy aliens. <laughs> yeah, the little yeah, guy who's in his bag that stays with him. Yeah. No. I, as a kid, that like amazed me. I love that movie. Kind of scared me, but it was very. I mean, it seemed small. Who knows if it was really big? I don't. Yeah. Again. Bag. Um, now I have so many more questions. And then, um, of course, uh, Falcor. Falcor is the greatest yeah. creation, I think, in terms of like an animal um, mascot, like sidekick. I don't know why it, there has never been an, a, a combination of a dog and a dragon since. Or like there's so, so many ripoffs and spinoffs and he's also of so part many fish, characters, right? And he's part fish. Yeah, he can yeah. Swim, he can breathe underwater. Yeah, um, obviously. And maybe speak underwater. But um, I can't believe if all this stuff gets ripped off, you know, Transformers. How many times have Transformers been ripped? Like, my kid watches these Super Wing shows and the police cars show, and they're all just Transformers that look less scary. Um, but no one's ripped off Electragon, which is fine. I'm just impressed because I think that's the greatest... And now I'm also wondering, was he big? Because in my mind, oh, he's no. massive. I, I, I think, he, I think like, he was huge. Do you think they, I think he was, they like, made him huge? Like, I don't want to know. I will be so sad if he's just like a tiny, like, gerbil size. No, I, th- I think there's a museum <laughs> a museum where, like, the original one is, like, rotting. Yeah. Um, but it's quite big. 
like the original one is rotting in some museum in Germany or something like that. And uh, I, I think I picked that up when we did our Neverending Story episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so for me, the all-time greatest, most terrifying, mysterious, captivating creature ever on film is the alien from Aliens, the xenomorph. You're the only one who knows like the actual name. Why did the name? Yes, I didn't know. That. Did I had to look that up. When did they what? say the name xenomorph? Like, is that ever said in the movie? No, is it's that just you talk with your friends. You just like, I love that xenomorph more. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing. No one knows that's what it's called. Like, it's a thing, like Shy is definitely using that term with certain groups of people, and it's totally normal. Which is weird. To me, the HR Giger design is the mix of the organic and the inorganic, I guess. And the fact that she- you can't machine. see any eyes in that creature and that it is a killing machine with every time they've tried to explain the backstory of the alien i'm i i, I regret knowing what i know because the nothing beats the mysteriousness and the haunting figure that that first alien is and when you originally only see little parts of it um but you, you desperately want to see more like i love the the way they put together the alien and they change it in every movie just a little bit every every artist kind of adjusts it or they find plot reasons to adjust the the way the alien is built and to me there there isn't a cooler one that's ever been created also also the i mean i'm sure it's been, it was done before and it's been done so many times since the little more scary actual alien living inside the head of something bigger. Oh, the mouth like, inside the mouth? That, I feel like yeah, it's that been done is, a lot since. I know it's been done a ton since. I don't know like that much about this genre to say that it hadn't been done before. But about the genesis of the xenomorph? Yes. Your you limited will. knowledge? <laughs> I have limited knowledge on the genesis of the xenomorph. The xenomorph? Exactly. Um, but my gosh, since then has it been used? And that's still the best uh, version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, that one is perfection. Yeah. And then just a, a couple other. Uh, I won't. Uh, by the way, for the labyrinth, I love the head poppers. They'll always be my favorite. <laughs> and uh, Jabba the Hut. And here's. And I'll throw this back to Noah also to weigh in on this. So Jabba the Hut. There was a documentary. It was called From Star Wars to Jedi, and it like came in your box set of Star Wars trilogy, the one that we got. In Atlanta at the CNN building in like the 80s when we were or the 90s when we were on vacation Lillian Beck. I don't know if you remember this. I remember CNN. I don't remember the box set. And it came with and so like there was a there was like a fourth uh, fourth tape and the fourth tape was this story of the making of all the Star Wars movies and there was a whole section in it on the creation of Jabba the Hutt and how Jabba the Hutt was puppeted by four or five people, maybe five people. So he was big. Yeah, he was huge. I feel like we're telling people that Santa Claus doesn't exist if we say he was small. No, no, he, he's, no he's big. He's big. He's big. And, and not only that, they showed a model of what the plan was. So, like, where one guy's arm was, where another guy's arm was, there was one guy's job who was to puff smoke with a cigar or something like that to be Jabba's smoke, and someone ran the tongue. And, Ugh, the tongue. I knew you were going to have to bring that up. <laughs> and so to me, Jabba the Hutt was also my earliest memory of really seeing the magic of special effects. Um, and so I, I kick it back to Noah to just to get his thoughts on, on Jabba the Hutt or any other such character that requires so many people. 
Well, I mean, the, the coordination of not many people puppeteering a single animal that looks real in any way whatsoever is incredibly difficult. Um, so I always admired that, and, and that is part of the, the practical, because, you know, in digital, you can, let's, the computer will move it all any way you want it to move. And so it's a lot easier to coordinate that stuff. So big puppets like that were, were fascinating, not only uh, from the standpoint of how do you make, coordinate everybody to get them to move, but also how do you mechanically build this thing so that the eyes move in the way you want them to move, the tongue sticks out and is slimy and gooey um, on on camera. You know, so that, that stuff has always been, uh, been incredible. And how, how do they get so like Jabba the Hutt has very emotive eyes. How do you get emotive eyes on a giant rubber mask like that? Like when when Jabba the Hutt's being strangled and his eyes bulge out and his tongue sticks out. I to this day believe Princess Leia is strangling the hell out of him. Also, it doesn't look hokey. Yeah, like it could well, have looked hokey. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it takes. That's the magic of a really good puppeteer, you know. And that's I think what Jim Henson kind of pioneered was you you felt an emotional connection to muppets like you even though they were kind of funny and all of that you could kind of look them in the eye they had expressions that were recognizable even though they were muppet expressions and that i think is what translated into yoda but it also translated into a lot of the other kind of creature and puppeteering work that started to happen after that in that that was the expectation that if you're going to you know if you're going to put a puppet in front of me, I'm going to look the puppet in the eyes. And if you hurt the puppet, I'm actually going to feel bad for the puppet. Well, there, there's something to be said for the fact that regardless that it's people behind there, it's real. Like it's yeah. a physical thing. Whereas as much as like Kung Fu Panda is super cute and and all these like digital characters can be super cute and we can feel for them. You're one step. There will always be one step removed. It's not the same as I think a puppet it's, like that. It's totally not the same, and you you'll see that. And and a, an example of that is in the movie uh, Gravity, um, where they're um, they they're they're trying to get the the image of people floating in space. Um, and so they used industrial robots to turn people over. But the one thing you, you have a really hard time controlling on Earth is gravity. Um, and so you um, the the skin on the face faces down when they're facing down. You can mm -hmm. see it kind of go back when they're facing back. So it's not really in space where it would actually be weightless. Um, and so it's wow. really hard to overcome yeah. those kinds of things. But in a computer, a computer can actually compensate for that. But if your your eye will pick it up as something's not quite right, but you're not quite sure what it is. And you know what yeah. it is, is gravity is actually pulling on things in a way that your eye is picking up, but your brain might not be able to realize. No. So it's all those tiny little subtleties. And I think for like Jabba the Hutt, when he moves, he like bounces and stuff. And there's like a bunch of gelatinous crap in there that bounces around so that he right. looks sort of real. Right. You get that your eye picks that up. Your brain is used to seeing the way those things move, and that makes a huge difference. That's that's awesome. Okay, so some of these, like Jabba the Hutt, hold up. Some of these maybe don't so much anymore. And Lily raised the idea. Well, of, he, yeah. Well, here was my whole yeah. My whole question was okay. There's clearly things that were scary, practical special effects that were scary when we were kids that we were scared of. But that my question is that today they still hold up and I find them scary. But how is it possible? Is it possible that any kid and like your 12 year old or any kid in, in 2018 who's watching these movies would ever think they're scary? 
I, I would say. And do I only I, think they're scary because they scared me as a child and ba- I'm still a scaredy ba- cat? Or? Ba- based on my kids, my kids are far more scared of films with practical effects than films with CGI. Okay, oh. well, that's a good. See, that's interesting. I, I, okay. So, like, Goonies scared my kids much more than Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean, they were hyper aware that the skeletons were essentially cartoons. Whereas, you know, Goonies, which has. I mean, not, has skeletons and has sloth, and who at first is a little bit scary, and has the Fratellis, who they aren't special effects; they're just terrifying. They're just terrifying people. That, the, the real, the 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 tangibility of all of that scares my kid. Now, granted, they're my kids, so they're apt to be scared of anything. Uh, True. Yet uh, at the same time, desensitized because you let so, them watch. So, stuff what are some? Of, so, what are watch. what are some of the ones that for you, Lily, that that are on your list for that? Oh, on my list. The melting face scene in Poltergeist. I don't know if that, like, if you've seen that enough times. That when the uh, um, no, I... when I look in the mm-hmm. mirror, when she looks in the mirror, and she right looks in the mirror. No, he. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I, don't, I can't. I haven't been able to sit there. I saw. Head. I saw the steak move, and I turned it off. The steak move yeah. on the table. Yeah. <laughs> no, when the chairs like this is something that's so simple. When the chairs are on the table. Like the chairs have moved, and you the four of us could have gone in there, put the chairs on the table, and then just yelled action. <laughs> Yet, as I watched that, I was like, Oh my god, the chairs moved! Like, I believed all of that. And when the face melts, um, from looking in the mirror, like the face falls off, I was terrified. And I wonder if a kid's like, if, if a teenager saw that today, they'd be like, Oh, that's ridiculous. Yet, they watched, I don't know, what's that one? The I can't really think of the name in Spanish. It's embarrassing. The the one the uh, whatever the Haunted or one of those movies. I can't. I don't. The Spanish title has nothing to do with the English title, so never mind. But today they find movies really scary. Um, I don't know. The, I also wrote if um, the Never Ending Story scared me. The Never Ending Story, the Wolf, and Never Ending Story. I don't think that would scare anybody today. Um, no, I and don't think that would. So I, do you remember you made me watch Dark Man like fifty thousand times? I love that movie. with Liam Neeson, <laughs> and that's just like a bandage. Like people dress like that for Halloween. It's just like bandages, and they cut off that guy's finger with the cigar cutter. I've never been able to look at a cigar cutter. <laughs> All of that just scared me so much. Um, and then when uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis uh, change their faces. Is that not scary to... anymore? I don't know if that would be scary today. Maybe your kids I mean, would laugh, but like when they stretch out their faces to haunt in the so. movie, that scared uh, the shit out of me. No, is that one that you were involved with, the stretching of the faces where they put the hand in the head and... The the end result. So I worked on the the long one where they pull it out. So I, I helped sculpt the the long the end result there. And so and then the rest they did the animation. They did a claymation version of it to, to get there. Right, right, right. Wow. Um, wait, I have a question about. I'm sorry, I'm doing like a take on that on this question, Lil. So my yeah, question sure. on the question is not whether or not things are scary today, but certain things that we found sc- scary. Like to me, anything that was slimy and melty automatically felt really <laughs> scary. How did they make things like I'm thinking about the thing and the fly, which I don't find scary now. I just find them disgusting. 
disgusting. How do they make like the f- skin look like melting? Well, that's kind of like in Poltergeist. The yeah, exactly. Face falls off. Like stuff. That, I just find it like makes me want to barf. But especially as a kid, it was terrifying. Dude. Yeah, there's all sorts of like food products that get used. Uh, the gelatin, you know, blood is corn syrup and food coloring, and you know, there's so there are a lot of different kinds of food products that get used because they're non-toxic. If you happen to okay. eat a little bit of it, it might taste bad, whatever. But it's, uh, you know, a lot of them are non-chemical. If uh, in my my days, I tried to avoid the harsh chemical stuff, although I ended up using a lot of it. Um, in uh, the best one was for for Batman and Robin to make fake ice. Um, oh, which is, how, how did, did you, you have that? to use? So the the, the Batman and Robin that it was interesting because they they asked they had three different teams um, compete to create the ice effects, and they had model makers um, who kind oh, of compete. modeled it out of plastic um, and then they had sculptors who sculpted it out of clay and then I took a, a different approach because the my uh, the guy I was working with um, he and I specialized in some of the natural phenomena simulation and so we would do things very differently in that so I worked with a chemist to create a water clear um, polyurethane that we could dip in liquid nitrogen and it would maintain its certain properties like flexibility and things like that. Whoa. But that I could also hyper catalyze it so that within one second I could get the entire batch to flash cure. And so what I did was I, I timed it so that I had a 20 second cure time. And so that gave me 19 or 18 seconds to mix it, one second to pull the mixer out, and another second to kick the bucket against the wall. And then as the bucket was flying through the air and hitting the wall, it would start to harden up and freeze in these beautiful, no. organic, clear what? shapes. What? It was super cool. Can and so then you it would do that right slam now? Against the wall. I would call. love to. I had to wear <laughs> an independent ch- air supply. <laughs> it was. It was a really, really it nasty. Seems, it seems dangerous a little bit. It was, it was pretty nasty. I had because you're kicking a, you know, a fuming bucket of liquid. I have to ha- had to have an independent air supply, so I had a hose coming in the back. Had a full face shield in case it splashed on me. What um, would have happened got, if it splashed on you? It would burn you. It got really hot, and if I had <sighs> left left it to cure in the bucket, it would catch on fire because it, <gasps> it would be too big of a mass and it would, it would get too hot. So I had to kick it so it would spread thin and then it would it would cure. But it would cure into this semi-rigid, like super water clear, perfectly clear um, stuff. And we could um, dip it in liquid nitrogen and then catapult it onto a stage. And I had three versions of it. One version was rigid that would stay on the car. Another version was semi-rigid so it would flop around kind of and another version was rigid and it would actually shatter and not adhere to the car and so we would use a combination of those three different materials so that when the car gets catapulted onto the stage some of it shatters and breaks off the car some of it sticks on the car but the quite we were asked you know what does it look like when a car gets hit with a freeze gun um and that sort of is goes back to why i loved that business so much because anything's possible you're not sitting there saying well we don't have freeze guns you're saying oh well if there's a freeze gun then it's going to have this and you're trying to actually think how a freeze gun would work Amazing. Um, and i love that that kind of mode of thought Br- briefly since you brought up batman and robin um how many people were involved in the special effects of George Clooney's nipples? <laughs> well, so I worked in the heavy miniatures division, and I think his, okay. his nipples fall outside heavy miniatures. Yeah. Gotcha. 
<laughs> they might have been heavy, but they weren't miniature yeah. for that movie. So, in fact, I, as cool as that ice story is, the nipples unfortunately steal the show. Of that. <laughs> no, it's a very cool they're, story. There are there are many things that 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 stole the show um, from from that movie and and. Not necessarily in a great way, but but I will say <laughs> the, the special effects are amazing. The, one of the no, enduring yeah. parts, one of the enduring things about that movie is the Mister Freeze component of it. Both the like oh, hilarious sure. clips you can see of mm-hmm. all of Schwarzenegger's great lines, but but I still, I mean. Now, I mean, now knowing the story behind it, it's even cooler. But I always loved the visuals and the color scheme that they used to do the Mr. Freeze stuff in that movie. I think that is a real bright spot in that movie. So it's pretty cool to be able to tell someone who actually worked on it that, like, that was really, really cool. That's awesome. That's Uh, awesome. And even something as simple as there's always I was always curious about it. Like when you see people's breath in movies when they're cold. Right, it's not always that cold. So, how did they? How do you do something as simple as see Schwarzenegger's cold breath? When is he smoking a cigar? Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes they'll have something that they'll um, uh, have in their mouth that'll give them that little piece of fog. And sometimes it's CG. Um, And I actually don't know what it was in that film. Um, because again, the uh, when heavy miniatures was the um, division. Warner Brothers had their miniatures, which is the kind of tabletop. Heavy miniatures, which is the the division where we were in. Um, we rented out the Van Nuys Airport, um, and oh, so it wow. was so you know miniature. Um, I was so going to say observ- for miniatures, you needed a large. <laughs> Well, so, well, exactly. And so, and actually for the miniature to get that observatory up as high as we needed it to, to get the scale correct. Um, and we had to, we had a, uh, that was one of my favorite jobs. I had to stick icicles to the bottom of the floor, 60 feet up in the air, hanging out of a, a little basket. And there was primer cord explosives wired in the floor above me. Cause we were going to blow the floor. Um, and that was that whole explosion scene. And so I was the only one that was allowed to go up there and stick the icicles underneath the explosively wired floor. Um, but they didn't God. care if you lived or died or you had a special insurance plan. So I, I preferred to, I, in, in my, my head, I prefer to look at it as I, I was the only one that had the skill, but maybe it was that I was the only one that was expendable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> with the balls. Was your special skill set. Wow. Either yeah, way. That's, that's awesome. To I gotta, do it. I, that's I crazy. I got to do a Batman Robin re- rewatch with this, all this in mind. This is wild. Um, well, yes. And, and one last little note on that. Oh, yeah, please. The, to to sure, give you please. the... Um, the heavy miniature uh, version, we, in order to get the observatory up that high, we outbid an Argentinian mining company for one of two container movers on the planet that could lift the shipping containers. I think it was more than six (laughs) containers high from the ground. And so we had this gigantic container mover that you'd see at like a dock, you know, to move (laughs) industrial stuff onto ships. And we could drive it around the Van Nuys airport and put like these giant containers and we would have races with the condors which are those little <laughs> baskets that you get in you go 60 feet up in the air and we go get straight out. up and you have you have races down the the tarmac on them because there was no safety i mean very little safety um stuff we were a bunch of overgrown man boys kind of hanging around with big toys and so it was really i'm looking fun. at a, a picture of it right now of the scene and yes. and it's pretty wild that's awesome. That's pretty. That's pretty well. How much of it was practical then? Like all of that was saying. practical. Like and, yeah. Like that's amazing. And it took for each of those. We did I think three or four takes, as I recall, and it was 
about a month or so to reset um, after each scene. And so it's a month of work and then that evening where you're going to blow the floor and it's kind of you've got, you know, seven, eight cameras all running and you hear them like the high speed motors kick in and then kaboom. And so it was fun to watch that. But it took about a month to reset each time. Um, and and not to go back to, to Beetlejuice, but to go back to Beetlejuice for a second. <laughs> what I'm saying here is that Beetlejuice is 1988. And it is his first like movie for all intents and purposes, right? Like, it's his... He'd had TV shows before, like episodes. Had he, had he done Pee-wee at that point? He'd done... Didn't he? Had he maybe he did Pee-wee. Maybe yeah, he had sure. done... I, I have to check. Um... Um, maybe he had done Pee-wee. So he did Pee-wee. Pee-wee's Big Adventure did, was the one before right. this. Okay. It was the one before so Beetlejuice. And then 85. Batman. <laughs> right. So, right. So he does Pee-wee, which I don't think you can go from Pee-wee to Beetlejuice and be like, oh, well, that makes sense. There are connections, <laughs> though. There was a lot of claymation in Pee-wee's no, Big no, Adventure. No, no, not no. His, not his artistry, but his success. Like, oh. his uh, public success and, like, people believing in him and being like, this makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, that, it's so wacky. It's so out there. And it works so well. All the people involved have to believe in it. Like, yes, it's just a job you get paid, sure. But, like you said, people who are doing the animatronics and the puppetry and all that stuff, like, that, you know, and you, I guess you didn't know it was going to be what it was. You have something like Batman, who's part of such a canon of, like, you know, stories and history and all that. Um, and they let you rent out an airport and give you, <laughs> well, every, you know, obviously quite a budget for that. Um, I just, I just find it pretty impressive that, a, like Tim Burton, pretty much started with Beetlejuice. And Shai, you had had a previous question that we, we skipped over, but I am curious that for you, Noah, is it, can it be magical all these years later, um, having been part of it in terms of, especially when you think about the rest of Tim Burton's career? You know, it's it's more magical the more I talk to people about it, and, and that the one of the things that actually got me out of visual effects was the feeling that I wasn't contributing to a better world. Um, in that, you know, I was making, uh, I was entertaining people, but in the end, I was using a lot, I was wasting a lot of materials, I was doing a lot of things that I wasn't okay with, um, and so to kind of revisit that through the lens of. I worked on this thing that made a lot of people really happy, and that's actually worth something. Um, it's helped me sort of see it in a different lens, and and so it's been really nice to be able to talk to people about, oh, that movie just made me happy. I love that movie. And so the feeling like, oh, I actually did contribute something, and it was something that, that helped people. Um, it's, it's, so it's nice to look back at it, and that to me is where some of the magic of movies always has been, is our ability to kind of connect to a character, our ability to think about something a little bit differently, um, think about something that's possible that wasn't possible before you saw the movie, and like, it's just that sense of imagination, and I try to keep that alive in my kids um, as well because I don't want them to just be, yeah, that's just latex and paper towels, whatever. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. no. It, it is. Dude, that was but... like a re that was a really good answer. All right. So as we as we as uh, we could talk to Noah forever, um, but I know he he's got a he's got his bachelor uh, weekend here. Um, uh, to <laughs> he has to enjoy. Feed the, he has to feed the, so and he's got to feed the beginning pig. Yes, so I have to feed we'll, we'll, we'll we'll shift to our last segment and we'll 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 put 
what we're watching and shout outs in the same place. But since we were talking about Batman, I'm going to take the first shot on what we're watching. Um, I have been watching Titans on DC Universe's app, but apparently it's Netflix internationally. And this is the story of Robin and a couple of the other younger superheroes. And it's done. It's one of the times where they've done it as a dark show and I actually really like it and it's working really well. Um, uh, I think it's terrific. I am offering a tradesies to my sisters. I will watch the outlander season premiere this week. If you watch the first episode of DC's no, Titans, I will Done. watch DC Titans. Done. If you let me on a private phone call between me and you, you set aside like an hour and a half of your life and I get to tell you what happens in season two. And no, three. I would. That's going to be, we're going to, we can keep that as like a bonus episode. That's of like podcast. a birthday present for me. Okay, fine. So I like a lot this of week, it, the tradesy has been Noah's our witness. The tradesy has been made. The other thing is, I'll just say, and we'll talk about this when you guys get around to seeing it. Saw Bohemian Rhapsody last night. It was amazing. Uh, critics, I'm very curious because the critic. I've been reading articles, but, and you normally are very critical, especially I, with Queen. Here's the thing. So, my biggest thing on movies is, it de- does a movie deliver on its promise? Without even seeing a preview. I wanted to see a movie that was going to teach me about Freddie Mercury and go into the ups and downs of his life and the difficult things he had to deal with. It was going to show me how amazingly talented was and blow me away with performances of Queen's amazing music. And it did all of those things. And Rami Malek, definitely an Oscar candidate for his performance. I, there are definitely things you can quibble. I think there's discussion to be had about the movie, and they mess with the timeline a little bit, but like, do, these yeah. the people who also complain that like, oh, they jazzed up the end of Argo to make it more interesting. I'm like, it's still a movie. It's still an interpretation of the guy's yeah, life. It's a story. Um, and they, right. have to, they have to make it exciting. And I rewatched, so the end of the movie just a few songs from the Live Aid show. I rewatched the whole Live Aid show <laughs> this morning, um, and it's just wow. awesome. So I highly recommend that. Um, and then as far as shout-outs, I want to shout-out to my new buddy, Noor, who she drew a cool picture of me that I posted on Instagram. She did a little portrait of me, so I promised her a big shout-out this week, and she's been listening to the podcast. The actor who – this actor named Emmett Hunter, who plays – Gerard Duquette on Stand Against Evil, which is a, a show that I love and has a lot of practical effects um, as well. Um, uh, he and I have been going back and forth on Instagram, and he is going to be a featured character in my Stanimation this week, which is going to be a Stand Against Evil um, uh, uh, themed animation that I'm making this week. So he, he's been very cool. So I wanted to give a shout out to him. He's a super talented guy, and his scenes in the first episode of, of the season were terrific. Um, and uh, I'll hand it over to Lil. What do you got? I've had like an off week. I'm not going to lie. I've had a tough week. And um, I, the things that I've seen make me ask the question, when is too many questions too many questions when you're watching something? Like, I'm a talker, so I get that like I'll ask some questions and people shush me. But I watched Sicario, the Winter Soldado or whatever that. I cannot. <laughs> Day of the Soladan? No, it's like col- when there's a colon in your title, you, you got to be like Star a Star Wars movie to warrant that. So you make one movie with Josh Brolin and you think you can now put a colon. I find it a bit presumptuous. So I watched that and the three, me, my dad and Jose were sitting there. We were literally just like a lot of questions. And I'm like, this movie is about hitmen, like South American hitmen. I don't think it needs to be this complex. Um, and I love, um, 
Taylor Sheridan, the writer. He wrote the first one, and he's written Did like. Did Denis Villeneuve movies. direct it? No, I'm that guy's extremely busy with his HBO shows, so I'm sure he's done with colon sequels. He's on um, HBO show. Didn't he? Oh no, sorry, that I mixed up with the other Quebecer. Um, no, Denny Villeneuve did French. like. Um, yes. Blade Runner. Yeah. Arrivals. Um, and uh, Arrivals, and the one with Jillian Hall and Hugh Jackman, also the thief. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, you sorry. Lily, 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 list, Lily, list every French-Canadian-made movie. Quick, go. She interrupted. Barba. All right, let's go. Barbatine. Let's go. <laughs> Les Barba Papa. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of that cartoon, and I want you to find okay. it on YouTube. Hurry it up. Some people um, have small children to get to. Okay. Um... <laughs> What I'm saying, or guinea pigs, I get it. I'm going. Um, what I'm saying is that. Um, <laughs> Wait, you're still saying something. Oh my God, okay. Moving on, moving on. You lost your time. You lost your time slot. That means, just too many questions. And I started watching Altered Carbon on Netflix, which seems like a very cool concept that you could like. Star- Minority starring, report. Starring stunt woman Caitlin Deschel. Is she in that? Yeah. Mazel tov for her. It's really it's wonderful for her. The point is that uh, the concept is really great. Again, just too complicated. Why can't we scale things back in terms of story? Like, I don't want to have to ask this many questions for it to be interesting. I think people are confused that you need to confuse the shit out of them so your show's good. And that's not the same <laughs> as making it interesting and having you, like, on the edge of your seat. So I'm not that impressed with movies and TV this week. Okay. That's all I'm saying. What about you, Beck? Um, I have to look at my notes, which I wrote down. Um, I actually want to talk about something I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to watch Homecoming. It just premiered on Amazon Prime. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm a huge fan of the podcast, so I will watch that this week and report back. Um, did I talk last week about eighth grade? You've talked about eighth grade before. Okay. Well, then skipping over, listen to last week's episode, or maybe it was the week before. No, I don't think she did. She talked about it in our chat. You've mentioned 8th oh. grade a bunch of times, though. Or maybe it I just is, feel like... I, it is required watching for everyone. It's so good. It's painful. It's like... Uh, just watch it. And you had a it's, terrible time in 8th grade. No, it's no, Spider-Man 6th grade. Oh, 6th grade. 6th grade. Sorry. Whatever. But <laughs> it's all I just feel like it's very... It's It feels... It, it really feels like a documentary, even though it's definitely fiction it's so well made um it just is so real and anyways um so those are the things that i recommend eighth grade i'm excited to watch homecoming and i'm crushing money heist so still working on that but loving it um and i want to give a shout out to um my friend isabel we've been going to dance class once a week together it's really good Instagram, Instagram, um, right isn't that her uh Instagram, yeah, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Jamila Jamil, because I love her Instagram account. I have to say, it's like the best part of my day is seeing, not the best part, but a highlight of my day is from, whatever from she's posting. The good place. From the good place. She's so funny. She plays Tahani on the good place. If you just need like a good laugh, follow her Instagram account. I also feel like as a, as a woman, it's very encouraging. So I really do love her funny posts. Yeah, she's really, she's super smart. And I, I, I actually, I recommend, there's an episode of the J V Club uh, with Janet Varney that she is a guest on that is really terrific. Um, Noah, how about you? Is you watching anything cool? Yeah, anything to recommend? Anyone you'd like to shout out to? 
So I've had I've had fun with Deadpool um, oh. and the uh, the, the Marvel Universe, the movie. Um, the uh, I'm getting That's to not, share. It's not like you were hanging out with Deadpool though. Like I've had fun with Deadpool. <laughs> like the friend, yeah, like I mean, we've just friend. been chilling out, and right. you know, he's, he's got a good that. sense of humor and stuff. Just hanging out at the bar and whatever. <laughs> um, you know, fit man. I had to like ask. You mean the movie, right? Because I was yeah. there for a second. Um, yeah. So watch. Uh, I, I've enjoyed those. Um, I'm I'm very much enjoying sharing the Marvel universe with my younger daughter, who has now um, become interested in that, and she is understanding my love of Tony Stark's workshop, um, uh, and that I, mm, I desperately God. want his. He has the best workshop ever. Mine lacks Jarvis among so many other really <laughs> nice features. And just that... out of curiosity, you, his beats the one in is it the in James Bond movies the Q. like Ben Whitshaw workshop? Is it his name is Hugh? Q. Hugh? Q. 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 Yes. Yeah. Iron Man workshop better than. James Bond workshop. So it's just updated. I think it's like like Tony Stark is sort of the um, Q's workshop 2.0. You know, it's sort of take everything from the 70s and 80s that was cool then and now put it into now you got voice control. You got all sorts of really cool stuff. Jarvis can pretty much make anything. That's gotcha. it's rad. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. cool. Um, Becky, where can people follow you? Follow me on Twitter at PaperBKPrincess. And Lily? You can follow me. Now that when I say it out loud, and no one has not heard this podcast before, I'm embarrassed by my own handle. <laughs> handle embarrassment? Does that happen? That's like when you were in high school and you made your Hotmail email or something. <laughs> it was like the dumbest thing ever, and it followed you for so many years until you were smart enough to switch to Gmail in college or post-college. So, Yeah. That's what happened to me, but I made mine last year. Um, uh, at Chichi K Gomez is mine on the Twitter, um, which was a nickname of mine as a child. <laughs> and Chi- that you give Chi-Chi. yourself. And, that and I Lily's gave current, and Lily's no current, that. and Lily's current last no. name is Gomez because her husband's last name is Gomez. So it's well, a, it's, it's not mine. It's I, I don't use it, but just for Twitter. Um, Noah, do you want people to follow you? Um, you're welcome to. I don't think there's much to follow. Um, <laughs> um, I am an Austin SF, uh, but there's uh, there's not and much wait. there these days. Um, can you spell that out for me? Because I tried to N- find you and I couldn't. Oh, N A U S T I N S F. Oh, N Austin. Okay. Because, you know, I, I looked for you and found a lot of stuff about Austin O'Brien, which was... <laughs> yeah, there there are a few Noah Austins Austin, out there. There's, a, there's like, yeah, I went down the Austin, like, um, rabbit hole and kept coming, somehow kept circling back to Austin O'Brien. Star which of I, the last action hero. <laughs> which we looked at yes. last week. Uh, but uh, they, they all envy me because in 1992, you know, 1992 or three, I reserved my domain of noahaustin.com, so I've got that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> there that are a lot of Noah Austin. Wow, got under the ground floor. It's a great name. That sounds like a movie star name. Noah Austin. I like that name a lot. I'll have to think about a career shift then. There you go. You might. And um, you can follow me at Pancake for Table on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow all of our shenanigans at uh, PancakeForTable.com or FridayNightMoviePod.com. Please rate and review us. It's really helpful. We've had a really awesome first year. We're looking to grow even more in the next year. 
Um, and one of the ways we're going to do that is on June 7th through 9th. Eventually, this is going to be closer. But on June 7th through 9th, we will be at the All-Star Comic Con in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. We have a we have a booth. We're going to podcast there. We're going to do stuff with people who come by. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, you can also catch me with my fellow gold nerds, as I mentioned before, on the Gold Nerds podcast. Uh, every week, that at least every week, there's an episode of the show. Um, and that's with my dear friends. and guests of this podcast lawns and ash and then this week's sauna um uh where we go in extraordinary depth this week on the muttle the tailor uh me explaining muttle the tailor to people who have no idea what i'm talking about like st- we're starting with the name is not pronounced motel it's pronounced Muttle. again i cannot believe like you know when you're like mind blown that not a fiddler on the roof is not a thing so for a at, lot of people. at this point non-fiddler on the roof music will kick in when i edit it and we all dance in our chairs noah and this is how we sign off there's a little bit of dancing and you'll hear the music when you hear the final episode and i wish you all goodbye and say thank you so much for doing this bye-bye bye. thank you bye thank you bye Shai has yet to uh, get special effects like advanced enough so that we can hear the music while we record. <laughs> like, <it's laughs> so you just have to hope that you got the rhythm. Yeah, yeah exactly. I keep asking him, like, can't you just play the music? He's like, it's just the effects are too difficult. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible. This is it's not we can't divide by zero. Okay. <laughs> That's what you learn in visual effects. Nothing is impossible. See, Shai, nothing is impossible. You just have to throw some ice water at the wall. What? And then you can. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. It's ice water and jello. There you go. You can do anything. With paper towels.